by inch, row by row, gonna make this garden grow. All it takes is a rake and a hoe and a piece of fertile ground. Inch by inch, row by row, someone bless these seeds I sow. Someone warm them from below till the rain comes tumbling down. It is time right now on WDEV for In the Garden with Peter Burke, author of Year-Round Indoor Salad Gardening. Our program today is brought to you by The Willie Store, your true value hardware store near Caspian Lake in Greensboro. By Clausen's Florist Greenhouse and Perennial Farm, your full-service florist with over 40 greenhouses in Colchester, Clausen's.com. By Guy's Farm and Yard, your neighborhood community feed, grain, animal, and yard store. Locations in Morrisville, Montpelier, St. Albans, and Williston, guysfarmandyard.com. By Grow Compost, compost, soil, soil amendments, mulches, and expert gardening advice. On Route 2 in Moortown, growcompost.com. By PR Lumber, your complete local lumber store on Route 15 in Walcott. By Menards Agway, your yard, garden, and pet place on Brooklyn Street in Morrisville. By Blossom Cottage Florist, top quality flower arrangements and more. And Taste of the North on Route 302 in Barrie. And check out online, tasteofthenorth.com. By Linda's Apparel, bursting with vibrant colors, stylish accessories, sparkling jewelry, and the most captivating collections of ladies' fashions around, Linda's Apparel on Main Street in Virgence. By Jail Branch Greenhouse, perennials, annual soils, and great selection, Route 302 in Barrie. And your locally owned Agway store, seeds and feeds, and a whole lot more, Route 2 in Montpelier. Well, after a bit of a sojourn, it's a great pleasure to welcome back to the microphone, Peter Burke. <laughs> yes, we're back. Yeah. We're back. Uh, we found our way back. <laughs> that's for sure. Must have been the breadcrumbs you dropped. That, that's it. Yes. Yeah. Well, last weekend, uh, even though we were preempted, um, uh, I ended up going down to uh, uh, Northampton and did a workshop down there for the Nova Mass. And you're speaking of breadcrumbs is I had to, I spent the night in a dorm room and um, I literally, I got so lost. I was, I ended up somewhere. And uh, so I had this yellow, uh, you know, a regular legal pad, you know, with the yellow. And I finally decided to crumple them up, you know, and, and, and put them in the, in the different halls as I went along <laughs> so I could find my way back. Exactly. Because <laughs> That is breadcrumbs. <laughs> that is breadcrumbs. And funny you mentioned it. <laughs> I found my way back. <laughs> well, when I first started making the rounds of the new hospital, as a, all, yeah. you know, all kinds yeah. of checkups and everything, mm -hmm. you go to information. Uh, yeah. This is the big uh, UVM complex. And, sure. and, and, yeah. And, then, and she, uh, follow the green line. And, uh, well, of course, <laughs> I'm colorblind, and green and blue look exactly like gray. So oh, I ended up in the furnace room when I was... <laughs> <laughs> well, that was me. I went, when I came out of the door, I had no idea yeah, where right. I was. <laughs> well, we're, we're here at the lavishly appointed WDEV studios. <laughs> this can't be a mistake. There's only one, so here the we green are. door, yes, <laughs> and the stairway to heaven. Right. 
<laughs> okay, well, folks, it's uh, it's good to be back, uh, and I, I hope you've, you're enjoying your garden right now because this is the height of the season. Uh, tomatoes, cucumbers, uh, everything. You probably have broccoli, uh, tons of kale. Should be your lettuces have probably grown and bolted, and you should be on your next crop anyway of your... Uh, if you planted, replanted, and replanted uh, all of your, your lettuces, then you've got fresh, you know, nice uh, heads of lettuce. And, um, oh, gosh, there's so many things. My basil is huge. Uh, the, do, you clip, do you clip the tops off the basil plants? Uh, to, no, actually, I don't. I like, I like seeing the flowers, but someone told me to clip them off. The, well, I do clip off the flowers when they come. I got you. And, okay. then, and then at that point, they start to put out all those side shoots right. that... That makes them into a bush, but uh, uh, it's both uh, laziness and also I, you know, they grow up so nice and tall and sturdy, and they seem to to hold up real well. Um, and uh, so the basil is in um, garlic. Uh, you probably should have harvested most of your garlic by now, I would hope. Uh, if not, then it, it's time to to harvest that garlic. That's for sure. Um, zucchini. I, I grow this uh, this beautiful. Uh, uh, trombone zucchini and um, literally the trombone zucchini is about 20 inches long oh boy okay but it's only about two inch and a half two inches around and so it's just like a you know a small thin zucchini the way you want them to pick but these things are monstrous more of, a, more of an oboe zucchini it well. is a yes so <laughs> <laughs> I should, I should have in advance just tell all listeners, especially new listeners, yeah. don't listen to me at all. Listen to Peter. <laughs> you want to have a garden? <laughs> well, we, so anyway, the those trombone zucchinis are doing really, really great. And I, uh, my, um, my son's girlfriend has, had never seen one before, and she was like, "Oh my God, I can't believe that!" And uh, and they're delicious too. So anyway, uh, lots of zucchini and yellow squash you should have. All those things. Uh, um, this is the time that um, we start to think about well, we're, we're preserving the harvest. Okay, well we'll be, <laughs> and I'll, I'll stop you right there because we've got the first of our phone calls, and I'm uh, remiss in not saying that lines are always open always at open. 244-1777, the eight hundred two number, yep. and toll free eight seven seven two nine one. Eight two five five, and we have our first caller. Hello. Yes. Uh, hi, Nilsen Duxbury, and I want you to know that some of my best friends are zucchini, so be careful. What you're saying. <laughs> um, no, no more zucchini jokes. I, uh, although maybe we could start a band. I, I guess that's the next step. Um, I, I, I'm really. I've never strung a, a zucchini. So maybe you can string them. And <laughs> I, I've seen instruments really from gourds. <laughs> haven't, haven't you? Yeah, some parts of the yes, world. Yes, yes. You know. Here we go. <laughs> well, yeah, right. well, Nelson, we're really off track now. Off in the weeds, as they say. <laughs> um, so, Mike, Mike, I'm a not much of a gardener. I, I um, have a really beautiful, uh, too big for its own britches, probably uh, black currant bush. Oh yeah. And um, it has always produced like crazy. And I call friends and say, hey, currants are ripe. Come up and pick. Mm. Um, this year, I, I'm, it's across the road from the house. I'm standing here looking at it from the shed. It's, it looks like it got sprayed with uh, something. Mm. It's, and it produced hardly anything. Mm. And I don't know what happened. It's, um, mm. it's, it's, uh, it's kind of one of my 
mom's legacy is she's no longer with us. So I'm hoping it hasn't just completely gone south. But anyway, any any ideas? The, the leaves are kind of crinkled up and brown, and the only thing I can think of is it's been very dry here this this summer. That's uh, it has given some things problems, so that's for sure the uh, dryness. Um, and and so I assume that you don't water these bushes because you've never had to, right? No, no. The soil is an old farm. The soil here is at least as far as I know, been always been, anything that grows here grows like crazy. Yeah. It's, the soil is good. Yeah, yeah. And it just looks terrible. And I thought, geez, you know, do I, do I brush hog it? Do I burn it? Do I, what do I do to try to revitalize the thing? So um, have you, it, have you gone over and, and inspected it to see if there is, um, you know, some sort of a, a bug, you know, some sort of a caterpillar or... You know, something like that? Um, I know the answer is uh, none of the above. Yeah. It just looks like it's been hit by a... Somebody sprayed it with a defoliant. Uh, uh, now, are you, is it roadside? Did, uh, did I hear you say you went across the yeah, road? Yeah, it's 50 feet from the town road. 50 feet, well... I mean, if they see this, they, this came up here, four sprigs in the back of in the trunk of my mother's car, but... Yeah. 20 years ago. Sure. And it's now way bigger than my truck. I mean, it's a monstrous thing. It's always been healthy. Um, it loves golf balls, tennis balls, dog toys, vanish. I mean, it's a thicket of stuff. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. some of the leaves are, are green, and then many of them are just, if it was uh, the end of October, they're just sort of falling off. Oh. Um, yeah. Anyway. Uh, this could be a puzzle for the day, and I, I have some other friends that raise this stuff that you could ask. And, and uh, you haven't noticed they're having any problems with that? Well, my brother has quite a patch. He lives down in Saxis River. Uh-huh. And he said their harvest this year was as good as ever. As good as ever. So this is, so, and, and no aphids or... or no, um, nothing, nothing that I can see. Huh. And uh, any any brown spots? There is well, a... the leaves that are crumbling. Uh-huh. I mean, some of the foliage looks looks okay, and green uh-huh. and green and fine, and then some of it's just burnt, it's brown, like dead brown. Um, What's the soil like? Is it sandy soil, or is it a uh, no, real no, clay? It's, it's pretty much loam. I mean, it's this was a farm for many years. Mm. Uh, no longer raising livestock. And, but there is a... There's an aphid that causes a, a current blister, but that doesn't sound like anything like what you have. Well, I'm standing right next to it. Yeah. Looking at it with piercing eye. And yeah. Anyway, uh, um, too bad to, to, to not have a, a miracle cure, but I, I am gonna I'm gonna pursue it because it, we love to have it and. Um, well, there's there's uh, well two things that they, they mentioned. There's no white powdery or anything like that. No, it's no, not a mildew. Yeah, no, I okay. know, but I know what that stuff looks like. Okay, and there's a reversion disease for black currant bushes. Oh. And it's uh, it's a virus, and unfortunately, there's no no uh, no treatment for it. Ah. And uh, but so uh, does that mean that, that this, if that is the case here, then, then it's then I should just plow the thing under, kind of. Well, they do. It does say that uh, the plant should be dug up and burnt. Um, but before I would do that, I would want to make sure that that is what you have the uh, the reversion disease. And uh, 
they it says that it will cause the yields of your black currant bushes to reduce significantly to almost nothing after three years. Well, this this is the first year, and it's almost nothing. And it it's says, always been lush and green, and um, I mean. Another sign is that the uh, the flowers will be malformed, but you did, probably didn't see any flowers at all. I didn't it. notice yeah. any. Mm. I didn't notice. I didn't pay attention to that stage. Mm. Um, so, snip a snip some, put it in the baggie, and send it to the state. I mean, uh, would that it? would be my yeah first first thing, just to make sure. If it is something like that reversion disease, then then you're gonna have to get rid of them. And then there, there's a big bud mite, they call it. And uh, <laughs> I know I shouldn't have called you guys. <laughs> and I am sorry to say, but there is no cure for the big bud mite. <laughs> um, uh, goodness, goodness. Um, I wish I had better news. Uh, but uh, it, it does look like uh, you better uh, find out what it is exactly. Now, uh, are, do you have any pine trees around there? Yep. Okay. Uh, because I know current, um, there's a, some of the, the diseases for currants uh, are harbored by pine trees. Right. And so they always say when you're planting your currants, don't plant them near pine trees. Right. And, um, you know, maybe time has just caught up with you on that one. Yeah, right. yeah that could be. I mean, I, I have a huge old yeah. pasture pine that's... Uh, yeah. 80, 90 feet away. You, you know, um, get a pine tree. Get a get a diagnosis. That'd be the best thing. And if you wouldn't mind, Mills, I'd really appreciate it if you call back and let me know what you find out. I'll, um, okay, so the uh, state ag, ag extension office. Yeah, or? yeah it is. Um, you have to look it up online. I I'll have think no I idea. Can do that. Yeah, uh, UVM Extension Services is what it's called. Okay. Joel always checks that for the late blight. Yeah. And, um, very good. Well, uh, I appreciate your show very much. Thanks yeah. for taking my call. Sure thing. And, let, and call back, okay? All right. Thank you. All right. Take care. Take care. Okay. Once again, lines are open at 244-1777 and toll-free 877-291-8255. We'll return with Peter Burke in the garden after these messages from our sponsors. Hey, plants. How's it going? Hi, Kate. Um, can I... Uh ask you a question. Of course. I need help growing some uh, indoor tomatoes. Oh, tomatoes. I dabble a bit. <laughs> Not too much, of course, but what's wrong with indulging in a tomato now and then? No worries. I gotcha. Guy's Farm and Yard, where Vermonters go to grow. Did somebody say tomatoes? PNR Lumber Route 15 Wolk is proud to be your local sawmill. Our logs come from within a 50-mile radius. Logs are sawn into lumber here at our mill in Wolka. Lumber is dried here on-site, and lumber is finished here on-site. Local lumber, local service. Put us first. P&R Lumber, Route 15, Wolka. 472-6636. Monday through Friday, 7 to 4.30, and Saturdays from 8 to noon. Follow us on Facebook, too. P&R Lumber, 472-6636. This is Lisa from Grow Compost of Vermont. Grow Compost works every day to complete our food cycle from farm to plate and back to the soil. We collect food scraps and farm residuals and transform them into organic soils for our local farms and gardens. Depend on Grow Compost to provide the finest compost and premium potting soil for all your growing needs. Visit us at growcompost.com for more information about food scrap pickup or soil deliveries. 
grow compost, exceptional local soils. It's in the garden and we're back with Peter Burke. Whoops, now wait a second. There we go. There's the button. <laughs> you got to let me in here. <laughs> yeah, right. Okay. We're off and running. All right, off and running. Yeah, so um, I think I was talking about, well, it's time to start thinking about storing the harvest. And, and we started uh, a few weeks ago, I guess it's almost four weeks ago now, that with the, um, you know, canning, freezing, you know, cold storage, dehydrating, and pickling, fermenting. And uh, so far we've covered uh, canning and freezing, and at least that's all I had on the um, uh, in my notes. So I don't think we got any further than that. <laughs> but the um, the the next thing, and and I know you and I have chatted, chatted a bit about uh, uh, dehydrating foods, and um, that's a lot of fun, and. Uh, I, the premise of what I'm saying, what I've been saying about storing the harvest is that um, there's really not one way to store the harvest. There's five different ways and you want to use all of them, you know, because, uh, you know, you don't really want to can your cabbage. Uh, you probably don't want to can your spinach either. You know, those are much better. Cabbage is much better in cold storage or fermented in sauerkraut and, and spinach is much better uh, frozen and uh, than it is canned or dried or any other form. So, you know, you, you have to uh, uh, use a little bit of all of them to, to do uh, the best for all of your different vegetables. And uh, the idea, of course, is to make it through to the, your next crop, your next harvest season, which, you know, is pretty much a year, you know. So you want to think about how to get through the year. Now, um, like our leeks, right? We 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 will cold store them for uh, for quite a while, but the, we also we also dehydrate some of them, and they are without a doubt fantastic dried. They dry easily, you know. I just basically chop them about half inch, and uh, spread them out, and and then put them in a jar, and they cook up just as well for my potato leek soup as the as the fresh ones. So. That's a it's a great way to, to harvest. So what I'm saying is that there isn't necessarily one way that you want to store everything. You know, it used to be a lot of things were just cold stored and and canned, but now we have the option of freezing and all those other things. Um, so with the dehydrator, you know, we use that for for the like leaks and you know. And also one of the things that I do with the dehydrator, which I, uh, is a lot of fun to do and it makes a great Christmas gift, is um, I dehydrate a, a soup stock. And what I'll do is I, I do, um, you know, for my soup stock, it's like four carrots and, and four onions and, um, you know, so much of the leeks, uh, so many cloves of garlic, uh, you know, some basil and the herbs. So what I'll do is I, I dry a big batch of all of these things, uh, tomatoes, of course, you know, and uh, then I'll just layer them in this, this quart jar, you know, the the orange carrots, the red tomatoes, the green leeks and the green, and then, you know, the, the white, uh, well, they sort of turn, you know, cream colored, the garlic. And I layer them in those in that quart jar, and it's it's exactly this, the same for you know proportions that I would use for a gallon of uh, soup stock. So you can take that quart jar 
and uh, just put it in a gallon of water and cook it down for oh 40 minutes an hour or whatever until uh, until you have your soup stock pour you know strain it out and then make your soup from it but it it's such a it's visually so pretty to look at and all these different layers that we've actually given away for Christmas gifts, you know, and uh, it's, it's a, it's a fun thing to do with your, with your dehydrator, but it's also just ultimately really practical. You know, we, we, we freeze a lot of uh, soup stocks because we, you know, during the winter, we like to have that, that available. And, um, you know, we're of the opinion that we make the best soup stocks around. So, <laughs> whatever you want to, whatever you want to make, whether it's minestrone soup or you know whatever, um, you know even you can use the soup stock for a beef stew and and uh, if you like ramen like we enjoy ramen quite a bit and we'll use the, one of the soup stocks for the water instead of just regular old water makes it just head and shoulders above anything else you know what what is sort of considered a um, you know. Uh, uh, a fast and easy and not very good um, becomes an, a gourmet dish, you know, with uh, with those soup stocks. And, um, so anyway, we'll use that uh, dehydrator. Of course, you and I talked about uh, dehydrating cantaloupe and, and honeydew and those things, and it's just fantastic. Uh, and there's almost no other way. You can, you can store some of those things in cold storage for a while. You know, they, they will store in cold, in, in the cold cellar. But uh, you're talking mostly from from August uh, when you put them in the cold store uh, till about uh, November at most. That'd be the most you could possibly get out of it. At least that's been my experience. Maybe somebody else knows. So you see, you get you know a few months worth in cold storage, even in a refrigerator. I think I talked about that before. Using a, just an old refrigerator for cold storage works really great. And you know, if you can pack a lot of veggies in a in a fridge, um, and then uh, uh, so then you have some that's dried, and that will take you through the whole rest of the season if you dry enough of it. And uh, so the you know therein lies the, the need for you know not only your cold storage but then your you know using your dryer dehydrator. Now, if you've never used a dryer or a dehydrator, um, the one I have is an Excalibur. It's a square one with square. Uh, I think you said the one you have is a round one. Right. Um, mm -hmm. And the, the I don't know the Harvester. You can get them at any place, Walmart's or wherever, Kohl's, I think I've seen them there too, and whatever, it's, Costco's I think has them, and, um, or you can of course get them online. Yeah, the only thing I, of course mine is a much older one right mm -hmm. now, but it keeps on cranking forever, just a little <laughs> motor and a fan, but I, I've noticed that, you know, obviously, you know, clean everything very, very well, Yeah. but uh, once you got things uh, dry and ready to go, mm -hmm. those plastic uh, shells, mm -hmm. uh, I, I take a, a little bit of um, olive oil on a piece of uh, oh. paper towel mm. and just give a very thin, I guess, mm -hmm. and, and my, my wife came up with a better idea, spray a little of that Pam or yeah, whatever yeah. Yeah, on there. Mm -hmm. And so nothing will stick. On occasion, mm -hmm. I've noticed that, uh, because I, you, you're the one that got me into drying uh, cantaloupe, <laughs> and it is wonderful. <laughs> I, I'm sensitive to the sulfites. Mm. In certain products, I mean, I, I yeah, uh, I mean, I, I, I'm sensitive to it even in, in wine. That's why, yeah, you know, yeah, and, my and, wife's the same. Yeah, yeah and so uh, 
I just don't like that feeling. It kind of ties up your lungs yeah. if you're in that category. Anyway, in all dried fruit fruits that you'd buy commercially, uh -huh. you know, 99% of them, I'm sure, are yep. treated with sulfite. So, so they don't brown. Yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah, and, and you know, who cares if they brown or they like to use bananas and everything. Yep. And it's just great to be able to eat as many as you want yeah. without, you know, having that uh, congestion that, as I say, those who are sensitive uh, happen to be. For me, I can eat all the gluten you want. I can eat all yeah. the peanuts you, you yeah. want. I know what yeah. other people are, and for me, it's that one. Uh, sulfur, any, yeah. any, any product that is blank sulfite mm -hmm. is something that ties me up. And so, anyway, dehydrating is a great way to uh, avoid that because you know exactly what yeah. you're doing with your own stuff, you know? Yep. And, uh, you know, to, to keep prevent things from turning color, you just use something like a, a lemon juice or, a, yeah. you know, citric acid, and you just dip it in and, and uh, put it in. But uh, when we do our apples, I like to... <laughs> I like to actually uh, take a little organic sugar and a little bit of cinnamon and just sprinkle it on or mix it in before I put it on the rack, you know. I'll have to try the uh, lemon juice, actually, because we, oh, we yeah. would like to give some away, but you don't want to give the, we're yeah. giving away the brown ones. You know, <laughs> yeah, right, right. Unless we get another caller. <laughs> and the and callers are, are, are very welcome all throughout the program. And uh, your first name in town. This is Lawrence in Marshfield. Hey, Lawrence. How you doing? Hey, fine. How are you, Peter? Hey, Joel. <laughs> uh, on on the, the current uh, pine thing, I yeah. thought it, I always heard it the opposite, that the currents affected the pine trees. But may, maybe it goes the other way, too. I, yeah, yeah, it could be. But, uh, That's but what I, I thought, anyway. But otherwise, I don't know. Uh, but I'm calling about, we... This week, we were dismayed to find that some of our kale uh, leaves uh, just totally became mush. You know, mm. they just mm. were laying on the ground. And Connie said she even picked one, and it, the stem seemed totally mushy and stuff. So all we've been doing is just removing them and getting them out of the garden. But... Uh, Seems to me that a year or two ago there was talk about. Connie thought it was called a, a brassicus fly or something. There's, it's called a midge, actually. Oh. And uh, but usually that's earlier in the season, and it uh, it does um, it does a lot of damage, in specifically to brassica. And um, I know on the UVM we website they they talk about it, but. Um, it, it mostly disfigures, but I haven't heard where it actually turns it brown. I mean, uh, that's almost, uh, sounds like late blight, but, you know, on a brassica, which, which makes no sense whatsoever. Um, what other, what have you seen for bugs or anything? I mean, for that to... Yeah, we haven't noticed. Uh, yeah. Connie, have you noticed bugs? A little uh, eating from worms. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nothing. Yeah. You know, I mean, it, it's, at first we're, yeah, caterpillars or something. But, yeah, right, right. Those are just the, yep, the cabbage, uh, cabbage worm. Yeah, but otherwise, I mean, it's, and it's not like it turns it, I mean, I'm like you, Joe, I'm partially colorblind, you know, so it doesn't seem like it's turning it brown, but it just kind of like makes it totally limp. And is it the whole, the whole, um, the whole leaf, or is it yeah, just the a spot? Yeah, the whole leaf and stem. Whole leaf and stem. It just ends up laying on the ground. Wow. And the inner core was black. 
inner core of the stem, I suppose. That's what you're saying, yeah. Right. And uh, we were really freaking out this week, but uh, I'm noticing that it's it's just a few at the moment, at least. Uh-huh. It just started this week. Uh-huh. So I don't know if anyone... Anyone else has had that? Um, you know, my my first suspicion is for the is for the midge, which is a, a fly, um, and that, that destroys like the head of a cabbage uh, and the head of a, a broccoli, or you know the the centers of um, and deforms them. But uh, I hadn't uh, hadn't heard of that particular one. Yeah, this is the white Russian kale, which we're partial to because it's last quite a while and it stays tender for quite a while oh yeah you know, in the garden yeah, so we yeah. like that so it's that's, it's curly that's right that, that's a curly one uh no no that's not the curly one it's uh it, well it's a little bit curly i mean it's not what most people think of kale which is very curly you know it's it's uh, it's kind of a thinnish leaf doesn't get real Oh yeah, okay. Uh, you know, yeah, yeah. there's red Russian and white Russian, and we like them both. But we find white Russian actually even stays for a couple, at least a couple months. You can pick it through the garden; it's still very tender. You know, we oh, yeah. do successive plantings, of course. But and that'll go right right through to to November anyway. It does, you know, through till maybe about ten or twelve degrees Fahrenheit. Yeah. Yeah. and it actually sweetens when it gets colder, you know. So yeah, yeah, it's good. So well, they yeah. they talk about the different uh, diseases here, um, and uh, it's the it's it's not a mildew, right? It's there's no white powdery or anything like no, that. It's nothing like that. Yeah. yeah. So. Huh. I don't know. Well, I, I sure would like to know if somebody else is having the same problem. I'm, you know, the uh, it's usually things like the aphids and flea beetles and caterpillars and all that stuff and that's that's causing the insects. The diseases, you know, of all the all the things we grow, kales always seem to be fairly uh, fairly good. But uh, yeah, uh, how about I went out this morning and it seemed. All of them, all the plants seemed okay, but uh, mm-hmm. you know, it's not. It's, it would just be several leaves a day we were finding for a few days, but mm-hmm. you know, I was, I was afraid that suddenly all, all the plants. All, all were doing of them, it, yeah, they, yeah, right, right. They didn't do that. Well, this is that time of year when you start to think about the late blight, you know, because this is, you know, particularly after a rain like we had. You know, that's those are the perfect conditions for for late blight so far that I have seen. I looked online to to double check. Uh, there are no reported sightings of late blight in, in Vermont. Some in Western uh, New York, but that's about it. Um, and that affects uh, kale. Also? Uh, no, no, no. That should not affect it. And I'm yeah. sorry, I got off track. But um, on in this particular website, it says if you think your kale is infected with disease, come back on the high nitrogen fertilizers until you have a problem under control. No. Yeah, we don't. I mean, you don't use a high nitrogen anyway. No, we do compost uh, and manure. Yeah, and they're saying you know fungicides containing copper. Well, that's the same thing you do use for late blight. You know, is the copper fungicide. Um, it'll slow slow the progress, but I don't know. I think that uh, if you have a leaf or two, 
I would say I'd get a diagnosis from the uh, from the extension service, uh, UVM extension, just to see if there's something you know that's that you need to worry about. Yeah, Connie uh, <coughs> just said something. Just a second. Yeah, yeah. Uh, she just said we had beets in that bed last year, but yeah. uh, you know that's not the not the same not the same variety, so you wouldn't necessarily. Yeah. And, and and hats off to Connie that she knew that. She must have. <laughs> did, did you just remember that, or did you did you write yeah. it down? She, yeah, she knows where things are, and she also does a map every year of the oh, garden. great, you know, great! To, I'm know. glad to hear it. That's a that's a great thing to do. So, <laughs> well, they they say here that there's a black rot that is a serious kale disease that spreads quickly by wet leaves or by working in a wet garden. It causes stunted growth and V-shaped yellow marks on the leaves. It doesn't sound like anything that you have. Correct. Yeah, okay. It doesn't sound like it. So. All right. Okay, we got a mystery. All right, so maybe somebody <laughs> knows what this is. Uh, I would, I'll have to research it. And uh, do me a favor. Is if you guys find out what it is, give me a call back, would you? We sure will. All right, thanks, okay. buddy. Thank you. Bye-bye. Take care. It's In the Garden with Peter Burke. Lines are open. Your calls are welcome. And we will return after these messages. Where do you find locally grown plants? At Montpelier Agway, of course. Their nursery is full of locally grown annuals, perennials, vegetables, herbs, and hanging baskets. Buy six six-inch annuals for just $36. And all trees, shrubs, and blueberries are 20% off. Montpelier Agway, locally owned. Route 2, Montpelier. the racks at Linda's Apparel. Summer is alive and well at Linda's Apparel. Vibrant colors, stylish accessories, sparkly jewelry, a captivating collection of women's fashions, soft eye-catching pastels, effervescent splashes of color, simple to essential. If it's time to freshen up what's in your closet for hot summer days, visit Linda's Apparel, Main Street, Virgins. A perfect place to find yourself this summer. Clausen's is celebrating summer with Clausen's grown annuals, perennials, vegetables, and herbs. At Clausen's, you'll find festive plants, seeds, colorful pottery, unique gifts, and novelty items, as well as fabulous new garden accents and a full-service flower shop. Print out your weekly online coupons from Clausen's.com. Summer is here at Clausen's Florist Greenhouse and Perennial Farm, 187 Main Street, Colchester. Open seven days a week. Think summer? Think Clausen's. You are listening to WDEV News Radio, a network of stations owned and operated by the Radio Vermont Group. 96.1 WDEV FM, Warren and Waitsfield. 96.5 W243 AT Berry. 98.3 W252 CU Montpelier. Along with our founding station, AM550 WDEV Waterbury Montpelier. And online at WDEVradio.com. WDEV also serves the Northeast Kingdom at 101.9 W270BR Island Pond. And the program is in the garden, and once again, here's Peter. <laughs> well, I, I'm just trying to search and see what else I can find, you know, on that, uh, the kale. And the the only uh, fungal one that this is, the, that, uh, that black spot or gray spot, they call it, and mm -hmm, haven't found anything yet. 
And, uh, well, the mildew, they do say powdery mildew, and that, that sort of looks like what it might be because uh, the leaf is um, just turns brown and falls off. So that, that sort of sounds like maybe what it is. Um, <laughs> okay, well, gardeners, let me hear what you have to say because uh, I am not sure. I haven't ever had that problem. Uh, of course, the extremes in our, you know, with the, both the hot temperature and the high humidity and then the, you know, more rain and more high humidity, it's, it's really the perfect weather for funguses and mildews and molds. So um, if you haven't pruned your tomatoes, it, it's time to make sure you prune them up and so they're not a mass of uh, uh, leaves and uh, it's time to, to uh, make sure they're tied up and then it's probably time, you know, to make sure you have your sprayer ready and all the rest. So far, no uh, no fungal disease have been reported, but it, it could well be on its way. So while we're harvesting tomatoes, we really don't want to lose them. Make sure you're ready, you know, the, to, to spray if you need to. Uh, and we will uh, keep track of that uh, next week and we'll talk about it. Um, so, uh, let's see, we talked about, uh, the canning and we talked about freezing and we've been talking about the dehydrator this week. Uh, the one I have is a, it's called an Excalibur. I have a nine tray Excalibur square. Um, it has a rheostat on it so I can set the temperature and it has a timer on it so I can set the time. Um, at the time I got it right near Christmas, it was $238 and it was $238 well spent. I, I, I can't, I can't say enough about it. It's been great. And then we also have these, uh, uh, you know, sheets that we put on there if we want to do uh, those fruit leathers, you know, we were talking about, the strawberry rhubarb, but also uh, the apple leathers and the, the berry leathers and all the rest. Um, we use those sheets when we dry our uh, elderberries so that we have the dried elderberries to make that cough syrup that we, we like a lot and we use um, throughout the winter. Um, and then, uh, you know, sometimes those sheets are good for or any kind of fruit that might might slip through, or uh, as you were saying, be real sticky. Sometimes we use them even for the uh, uh, for the cantaloupe and honeydew and all the rest. Now, someone told me last week and said, if you haven't dried watermelon, you really have to try it. I said, well, it's all water. What is there left? I was going to ask you that, but then I thought that was even too <laughs> stupid a question for Joel to ask. <laughs> well, I have been I have been eating. I have a store bought a store bought watermelon. Yeah, yeah. But I just absolutely love it. Putting oh, nice and cold oh, in the refrigerator. All right, all right. And so then I'm wondering what would happen if I yeah, dry if it. If you dried it, okay, all right. It all Disappear, right? we'll, we'll, we'll both of us. You, you try some, and I'll try some, and we'll see how we'll compare notes. I could, I could, I could see like a ten-pound watermelon <laughs> producing one tiny little, <laughs> one little ziplock, right? Exactly. <laughs> Here's my watermelon. <laughs> well, I'm gonna try it now. now I, I have now, to try it too. All the challenge I need. I know, I know. <laughs> and now's the time. I mean, they're coming in. They're, they're, they're beautiful. <laughs> so. Uh, 
anyway, uh, and and if I uh, I had mentioned the thing about the cantaloupe, and this lady just looked at me, oh no, you have to try watermelon. It's just so good. It's so incredible. And I said, there's nothing left. <laughs> Back in my fraternity days, yeah, a watermelon was a great a great treat. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, it was only after somebody injected them <laughs> with a bit of uh, spirits, you know, a little little bit of uh, vodka in a in, in like in a big horse syringe, yeah. injected into a watermelon, kind of changes your outlook on life. You know? <laughs> Don't drive afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yeah, those those uh, fruit coolers are, are dangerous because they're so sweet and delicious, right? <laughs> But just a slice of watermelon. I was just amazed. I didn't know that they were doing that until uh, yeah. until I was at one party. Yeah. <laughs> Not to give anybody any more ideas. Yeah, yeah, no. <laughs> uh, it's funny. Uh, what was it? Um, oh, oh, the the guy's uh, commercial, you know, with plants. Yeah. <laughs> now, we, had, we had the first news story today uh-huh. of um, what everybody anticipated. Yeah. Some fellow legally growing his four oh, plants had them uh, stolen. I heard you say that. In yeah, Westminster, I thought, oh boy. In Westminster, Vermont, you know. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, let's see if we let's see if we can get some more information on <laughs> that and other timely <laughs> subjects. Probably someone say, you know, you can inject, uh, you can inject uh, a gin into a watermelon yeah, too. Yeah, no, yeah. no, but we'll find out. Hello, your first name in town. Well, this is Lawrence again from oh, Marshfield. Hey, Hello. Lawrence. Connie reminded me that we have a neighbor who's 89 years old, old-time gardener, yep. that's having trouble with tomato hornworms. Oh, yeah. One day she said she p- spent all day picking off like 50 hornworms yep. and asked us what to do about it besides yeah. picking on them and no. stepping on them. On yeah, the no, door. you've got it. That's, that is yeah. the, the only solution to yeah. them. Um, the if you If you can... If you look up what the moth looks like, because it is a pretty it's a sphinx moth, a sphinx right? moth, right? And um, you know, if you wanna if you wanna watch out for them, you can do that and and kind of collect them beforehand. But uh, if you've got a, a a lot of them like that, you that's the only thing you do, and then you're gonna have to do it every day for for a while. Because uh, they they grow fast, they eat voraciously. They will go through a tomato plant in a day. Um, so yeah, if she's got it. You you gotta uh, you may have to get some help over there to help her out. Uh, we were afraid of that. Yeah, I <laughs> know. Yeah, oh well, fortunately they're easy to see. They're not quite like the cabbage worm where you have to sort of poke around and look for them. But um, you know they're easy to see and they're easy to destroy. You know, you can drop them in soapy water if you don't want to squeeze them. But. She likes to put them on her driveway, which is stone, and then step on them. <laughs> <laughs> That's her dance. I was going to say, there is, there is that feeling of anger that you sort of feel you want to let it out on something, and that's a good one. <laughs> Take that. <laughs> Sounds like she means business. My goodness. You know, I, I can remember the time I saw my first tomato, uh, horn tomato worm. And by the way, uh, if anybody doesn't know what they are, look them up. Uh, they are the Godzilla of gardening. Absolutely. Pets. Yeah. The, this is a horror story and for I, sure. And I remember I was six years old and in my grandfather's garden and it was about 
literally about head high on me when I was picking tomatoes, and there I was staring at one of these creatures. And after all these years, mm -hmm. like almost 70 years later, since yeah. 66 years later, I can I can still remember that incident. Oh sure, yeah, yeah. that's it. Yeah, they're they're the 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 stuff of horror movies for sure. Uh, I'm surprised there hasn't been a a tomato hornworm, you know, Godzilla type. <laughs> You can either pick them off or, or shoot them off. Or yeah, you're right. yeah, you're right. You know they're big enough. You right. could you could do you a, BB, a BB gun. A BB yeah. gun. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh more. Oh goodness, it takes me back to the show we did on the uh, the fortress. You know how to protect your. <laughs> I, I, I've always entertained this metaphysical question. Yeah. As to you know what if I didn't plant any broccoli. Yeah. Where, where would where would the broccoli worms be? Oh, don't worry, don't you know, worry. You, yeah, they, you, they, you, you follow my logic. Yes, I do. Why have tomato yeah. plants? Where would where, the horned tomato well, worms go? <laughs> <laughs> somebody else's garden. That's all. <laughs> yeah, I think somebody with a bigger brain needs to answer those questions for me. <laughs> <laughs> it's a circle of life, <laughs> Joel. <laughs> Uh, they're here for some good reason. Uh, what I don't know is that that looks like that would be one heck of a juicy, you know, meal for a bird. I'm surprised that they that they survive the birds, you know, the, that they don't come down and and uh, I mean they're big enough that a hawk could actually <laughs> see it as a meal. Now my my other metaphysical question is yeah. if I were just to plant every different kind of weed in my garden, <laughs> would when harvest comes it be be their broccoli and tomato plants because I'm doing the <laughs> opposite <laughs> <laughs> well uh at the nofa conference this week you know they they had those uh you know all all kinds of uh, um you, you know uh, booths in there and they have the permaculture booth you know and i i said to the lady i said you realize that all you're doing is planting weeds yeah. and you know she was a little affronted until i said well you know that's a good thing you know it's like you know dill keeps you know keeps uh, replanting itself and some people you know a lot of the things they're planting for, as permaculture i keep getting this this people say oh permaculture you just plant it and go away you know and it does all its sort of thing and all you have to do is harvest i was like no no you're planting weeds you're gonna have to fight them just as much right. as any other weed you're gonna have to keep keep after them you know yeah, it's, a, it's a steady battle i'm just dealing with with raised beds right now yeah well, yeah already i'm getting weeds that seem to have migrating roots uh, <laughs> you know and i do remember when i intentionally years ago planted mint i mean this is 20 years ago and i'm still just so like I could have like a leaf or two in an iced tea, right. and I'm still, you know, tackling it in parts of the, you know, the old garden. I did the same thing. I planted comfrey, and now I have on every hillside, you know, wherever, you know, it's, there's comfrey coming up everywhere. And uh, fortunately, it makes a great compost pile. You know, you, the comfrey is, is rich. It's very deep-rooted and all the rest, but still, I we definitely have enough. Anyway, so... Uh, well, before we were interrupted, uh, we, well, first of all, lines are open, and yep. uh, we were pickling and uh, deep freezing and all kinds of things. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, we we're talking about using the dehydrator as right, in, yes. in, your, in the, the suite of ways to store the harvest, right? And, uh, and that's, uh, you know, like I mentioned with the, um, uh, with the freezer, you know, you freeze your tomatoes. Uh, to the end of the season, and then you can make all your salsa and tomato sauce all at once. 
um, uh, or you know you dry your elderberries and you keep them in a jar and then you make your your cough syrup out of those you boil them in a little bit of water and lots of honey and you make this wonderful syrup so you're going to use all of these things in in different ways you know you're going to sometimes just to, to hold the things until you can make something else or you know as a, as a way to store them for the, the entire year and uh so with the dehydrator, we uh, oh I, that's what I wanted to mention to you is that uh, one of my good friends, uh, uh, you know, garden buddies who who dips his apples in wine, a red wine. Oh my goodness! Yeah, and that's instead of the the lemon. Okay, and they 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 dip them in that, and then they dry them, and they have a little bit of a pinkish, uh, purplish cast to them, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and well, for you, you got to be up to careful that yeah. it doesn't have the sulfites Hopefully in it. Hopefully, it's not going to be that much, but uh, uh, yeah, yeah. You know. Yeah. yeah, that's interesting. But yeah. no, I'm going to try the lemon juice. The lemon juice, well, the lemon juice works real well. And yeah. of course, my own home recipe yeah. is um, sliced bananas, which I don't grow in my garden. <laughs> but you can dehydrate bananas. And uh, I like them, you know, I don't like them when they're really ripe or overripe. But so I take barely ripe bananas, dehydrate them with a drop of maple syrup on mm, top mm. of each slice. There is no better treat than that. Yeah, no, I, I haven't tried that yeah. one. I'm going to have to. Yeah. Yeah. Really yeah, good. yeah. We're at, I'll have to do a couple of trays of those with the watermelon. <laughs> I'm definitely the watermelon. As soon as I get home this weekend, and I'm going to try that because I've been enjoying. And I have to admit, it's store bought watermelon. Oh yeah, uh, so far and yeah. boy, it is so you get it I good know. and cold as cold as you can in, in the refrigerator. Best natural treat you can have. Yeah, I for think, sure. I think we have some buzzing and squawking here. Let's see if that's a phone call. Your first name in town. Hello. Wait. Wait. Hello, your first name? I'm sorry. Fred. Oh, Fred. Fred. How you doing? Oh, we know Fred. Hi, oh, Fred. Welcome. Yeah, how you doing? How you doing? <laughs> I've made an impromptive um, dehydrator. Yeah. I just put a 60 or 100-watt light bulb on the end of an extension cord. Sure. And, and slid it in the oven. Yep, yep. And put racks or whatever it is that we want to uh, dehydrate right on the oven shelves and you know, overnight or so. That's a great yeah. idea using the oven as your as your racks. Yeah. Yeah, good idea. I like that. You can yeah, you can do large quantities and mm -hmm. it doesn't cost very much to set up. No, no no. Yeah, it's getting harder and harder to find those incandescent bulbs anymore, but they're the ones that put out the heat and it's just about the right heat too. Um right. yeah, what a great idea. It's worked well for us. Yeah. Well, we've tried we've tried it with the the pilot light, you know, the gas pilot light. But uh, uh, well, of course, now you have your automatic starts, so there's no more pilot lights. So that's yeah. out. Uh, the putting the bulb in there sounds like a great idea. I I never thought of it before, but yeah, absolutely terrific idea. What do you dry? Oh, my wife does all sorts of um, mints and all Her sorts of good herbs, herbs and stuff. Yeah, herbs and stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and the dehydrated that you buy in the store is very expensive. Yeah, well, like the one I got, two hundred and thirty-eight dollars for it. That was included the shipping, but uh, man, what a tool! It's it works so well, and I love the timer on it too, and the heat control. 
because uh, yeah. you, you know your your herbs are dried, uh, you know, like 105 between 105 115 degrees, whereas your your jerkies and your thicker stuff would be, you know, more like 150 to you know. Those okay. Yeah. 120 yeah. degrees. Yeah. So anyway, um, you know, I know it's fancy, but uh, um, it does. It's a real workhorse for sure. Well, you do a lot of it. You do a real yeah. lot of it. Yeah. Yeah. And for the herbs, generally tend to be less uh, less fussy about the whole thing anyway. So. Right. And uh, we do uh, we do chamomile and uh, that uh, tulsi, the the holy basil they call it. We do a ton of oh. that and and. Uh, uh, and the chamomile and the mint, and uh, my wife loves to mix those up to make a tea out of them in different proportions right. or whatever. You know? Right. Yeah. It's yeah. supposed to be good for you and all the rest. And then uh, my son just dried a bunch of basil for us. So. Yes, we do quite a bit of basil. My wife does quite a bit of basil. Yeah. Yeah. And and we do oregano. I have found that the dried oregano actually has more flavor to it than the than fresh uh, oregano. And I I prefer now to to use in the the dried uh, oregano. Well, whatever you can uh, raise and dry yourself is so much better. Oh yeah, yeah for sure. <laughs> so much better. Yeah. Okay. All, All right. You go. All right. Uh, yeah. Sure thing. Okay. Just a thanks, Fred. Just a couple of comments. What a great uh, idea, huh? Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, well, first of all, the the oregano it has to. Well, what I've discovered being a refugee from the Bronx. Yeah. And you know where it's uh, the pizza capital of the world. <laughs> yeah. Everybody sprinkles oregano, and that dried oregano in Italian restaurants, somewhat ironically, yeah. is uh, the plant is Greek oregano. Yeah. Yeah, and there are different <laughs> oregano's. Uh, the Greek oregano is is the best. Right, row. I wonder what I have. Yeah, and uh, well, I, I've I've dehydrated it, and that's exactly what they have in those uh, mm -hmm. Italian restaurants that yeah. I remember. Yeah. And the other thing is, um, the uh, an incandescent bulb. If you have trouble finding it, it might cost you a little more. But photographic bulbs are still incandescent. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. And for lighting, and yet for lighting, it has to be exactly the right Kelvin and a all that. Uh, and yeah, and so you, yeah. Uh, I, they don't have the uh, the new style of that. And uh, I have a I have a couple of those that I that I use. Mm. Uh, and and they, they, they get noticeably warm, so I know you could use that for, for the dehydrating. When you dehydrate the, uh, the basil, yeah. uh, do you uh, do anything other than just put it in the dehydrator? Or? I, um, depending on how much time I have, I'll actually just put them right in on the, on the, t on the sticks, you know, right on, on the stem. And then afterwards, when they're dry, just sort of you know pull it off. Okay, that's exactly what I've been doing. And okay, uh, and then if I'm feeling, and if I have a huge amount, and I have the time, then I'll go ahead and use the scissors and and cut them off and and do just the leaves because you can pack a lot of leaves on a one shelf. But it's you know it depends. Either way, it dries seems to dry you know really well. So. Spices are so wonderful. Yeah. No, it doesn't surprise yeah, me very. that people in you know from Spain were trying to sail to Asia to to, <laughs> to, to get boatloads of spices. It, what would we do it, without them? You know, you, you have a point there. You have a point. <laughs> I I never really thought of it, but I wonder if Queen Isabella said, "I need a, I need a, some a good oregano on my pizza, a Columbus get going." <laughs> the soup needs a little pepper. Right. Yeah, pepper. Well, that was one of the first. Yeah.
<laughs> I know. It was like, oh my gosh, yeah. Wasn't there anything growing around in <laughs> that's a that see there is a very interesting subject right there is local spices. Now I I was reading that that you know those little yellow flowers that grow along the side of a, the dirt roads, right? They seem to love salt. And they grow well, and then that's why they grow along the side exactly, of. Exactly. And apparently, the uh, American Indians, or you know, uh, used to use the flower just like that for a salt substitute. I wonder about it if you really could, but uh, no, I haven't never done any uh, experimentation with salt substitutes like that. <laughs> I guess that, that could be a whole uh, new new field. There you go. Of looking at uh, you know the the spices that our ancestors used. I know with mm -hmm. the, the, with the tomato plants, my brother sent me. These were you know varieties that were used generations ago. And yeah. He tried to find the varieties that my grandparents remember from uh, leaving Czechoslovakia, where they were mm. born and raised, and came to this country. Mm. I, I've noticed though that that some of these heritage tomatoes, some of the older ones, uh, that my brother has found a great historical interest uh, about. Mm -hmm. uh, aren't the best tasting you know I, mm, mm. I i still have my own favorite so it's an interesting little sideline but yeah. they aren't necessarily better depending on what your own personal tastes are yeah but they're fascinating to grow knowing their history the the co-op right now is selling a, from a organic grower up in canada these uh, colored tomatoes and yep. one of them is a ripe tomato that's green and and I think you and I talked about those uh, uh, before, but right. uh, surprising how delicious they they're, you know they're well they taste like a tomato of course you know but they're they're very very good yeah, I was sort of surprised I, I, by the end of the growing season I'll have a complete report you know <laughs> on some of these odd variety tomatoes the ones that are ripe right now are shaped like little yellow pears oh yeah. And, yep. and, uh, I'm enjoying those. That, uh, that's uh, like a cherry tomato, though, yeah, right? Kind of, yeah. Yeah, yeah, those are good. Yeah. And uh, I always like those. You know, I try to grow three varieties of cherry tomatoes, the red and the orange and the yellow, so that when I make my, um, you know, my Greek salad or just the uh, tomato cucumber salad, it's um, it's got the colors in it. I like that a lot. And I've been making a lot of the Greek salad, which is the, the cherry tomatoes and the feta cheese and the Kalamatra olives with oh a little olive oil. Well, down in the uh, WDEV refrigerator, I have some stuffed peppers, which are going to be mm. my lunch uh, from peppers from the garden that my daughter made for mm. me, so it's great. Uh, let me see. Do we have a call? I do believe so. Let us uh, go to the uh, uh, to the phone. Your first name in town, please. Yeah, my name is Andy. I'm calling from Plainfield. Andy, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you? Good. Um, this is maybe too late, but I have some strawberries that have sprawled and jumped the bed and gone off in various directions, and <laughs> I want to dig up some of the runners and replant them, and I'm wondering if it's too late to do that this year. Well, not really. If the plants look healthy, just go ahead. Uh, yeah, no, no reason not to at all. Okay. And um, so if I wait, and I'm just, it's a scheduling thing. If I wait another week, is I Yeah, you'll be fine. Cool. Sure. Um, you know, there's there's a risk uh, that the the plant usually that that's a fairly hardy plant when you replant the runners, but there's a risk at some point that they'll just sort of run out. If you find that you're not getting a good harvest, then it's time to buy some more. But you, usually you can get a few plantings out of your runners. Okay. So well, absolutely, go ahead and do it. My my goal is to turn it into ground cover eventually, and if it doesn't <laughs> produce fruit, but it's covering where I want it to cover, I'll be fine. Was that like a hillside or something? It's underneath some trees. Um, oh, oh. I'm going to grow them in shade, and oh. um, 
yeah, yeah. It's, they just don't seem to. Now. They don't seem to mind the shade too much. I, I have some good friends who live on Curtis Pond, and and their garden is is uh, sort of underneath the trees, uh, and they have remarkably good uh, strawberries. So, I think you you got a good chance there. Yeah, I have friend a friend who planted hers in the apple orchard under mm-hmm. the apple trees. Oh, great! They did fine for several years. Yeah, sure, sure. And the weeds took over eventually. Yeah, that's that's what you there they they lose the battle against grass. That's for sure. Yeah. Well, and, in this case, what I'm going to do is put down some black plastic and mm-hmm. try and um, suffocate what's underneath it. But I'll cut a little, cut a few holes and put the strawberry runners in there. And yeah. Some compost. I would, you know, if you if you haven't put the black plastic down, I would really think about using a landscape cloth, and the reason being is that the the water, you know, from the rain and stuff will not go down through the black plastic. Will the landscape cloth um, suffocate it's, what's under it? Yeah, sure. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that's what it's made for, cool. and it's it's porous in that you know the the rainwater will go down through it. Um, I try, you know, I I have those permanent beds and permanent pathways. So the permanent pathways, I've tried the plastic, but I find that the plastic tends to puddle there, you know, which isn't really a good situation, you know. So I I I use the landscape cloth, and then I'll put bark right on top of it, and actually your your strawberries would grow, you know, real well uh, up through there. So okay, that makes sense. Yeah. Thank you. That's- Just one more on the list. Yeah, that's the problem. Appreciate the call. Thank you. All right, Andy. Thank you. Thank you for your call, and thank everybody. We will be back with uh, some final words. The final final of our words. program. Well, no. Oh we my could, gosh. We, we could have the we could have a, <laughs> we could have a final phone call or two. I still say the fastest hour on the radio it, here. It, it is. And we could always stretch it. So, <laughs> but uh, we do thank those sponsors that support this program, and here they are. How is your garden doing this year? Hi, this is Tiffany at Menard Zagway. Whether it be veggies or fruits, we've got a way to preserve them. We are fully stocked with vacuum sealers and bags, ball jars, freezer jars, canners, spice mixes, sauce makers, and more. See our large selection of pest controls and repellents too at family owned and operated Menard's Agway, your yard, garden, and pet place. Open seven days a week, Brooklyn Street, Morrisville. Fill your 20 pound propane tank for just $12.99. Let's say you need a hinge, a sweatshirt, a birthday card, a new toaster, some sugaring supplies, some local beer or local cheeses and breads, even local greens, roots, and meats. Now let's say you need a new bathing suit or some logger boots, maybe a new onesie for your baby, or stylish Carhartt clothing. What about curry and cumin? Maybe sewing notions. Can you think of one place you can get all of that? Well, I can. The Woolies Store in downtown Greensboro. Did I mention the cheapest gas around? The Woolies Store. If Woolies doesn't have it, you certainly can get along without it. It's professional tennis right here in Vermont. The Stowe Mountain Lodge Classic, August 18th through the 22nd. Last year's event was hugely popular, and this year's event is sure to exceed expectations with eight top competitors. The fun starts on Saturday night with a player party. Then it's professional tennis starting Sunday and culminating with the championship on Wednesday. Tickets start at $29 and are available now at StowTennis.com. Don't miss professional tennis in Vermont. Details at StowTennis.com. Oh, that's uh, that's going to be lots and lots of fun. Uh, do you have you gone there? 
I've, I've gone and seen tennis, in fact. I remember years ago I was covering it for one radio station uh-huh. and I uh, got to meet Mary Jo Fernandez. Oh, no, really? Yes, indeed. <laughs> Great tennis player, lovely lady. Oh, yeah. And, I, you know, I occasionally I go out, go out if I can find a friend. Uh-huh. I go out and play in Colchester in the park where they have it. And I still have an Arthur Ashe model tennis racket it's an old wood racket oh my but I, I, I love it and my at the level of play that i play uh, it, uh it's perfectly adequate but, uh, well, but, you know, so, do, we, do we have a call is that what i hear all these people looking at me with their titanium rackets I oh know. yeah but uh, at any rate yes it's a gardening program isn't it? <laughs> and we have a caller your first name in town my name's claudia i live in east montpelier and i have my father's arthur ash Tennis racket. Good for you. Okay. Well, we'll have to we'll we'll have to we'll have to meet for a match someday. <laughs> Do you still use it, Claudia? Uh, not so much after I had my knee replaced. Oh. <laughs> but I had a question. Mm-hmm. I was wondering if you would share the ratios on your soup quart jar mix. Oh yeah, sure. Um, let's see now. Oh boy. Yeah, this is from memory, so I don't know for sure. Well, it's all soup, so... Yeah, yeah. I know it's, you know, four carrots and two onions. Um, I also dry uh, about uh, eight ounces of uh, mushrooms. Um, It's, uh, I think it's it's either six or nine cloves of uh, garlic. Um, it, at least two, two tomatoes, two whole tomatoes. I usually uh, do those, and then uh, okay. the the at least one stalk of leek, leeks, you know, and that's a. Mm, I think it comes out to be almost a cup, and then uh, the of course the herbs, the uh, the basil and oregano and whatever else, and I'll actually throw a little a little pepper in there as well. Uh, the pepper cloves, I use 12 pepper cloves in there. And, uh, um, pepper? Yeah, yeah, peppercorns, you know. Okay. Uh, 12 peppercorns. And, uh, then, oh gosh, there's some other herbs. I'll tell you what, um, if you're listening next week, I'll, I'll go get the recipe and, and, uh, and give you exactly. Oh, that would be great. Yeah, yeah, soup stock. I, I kind of dry my things individually, like yes. I would mm-hmm. hydrate, dehydrating carrots now, and yeah. I'm not going to do onions for another yeah. few weeks. Yeah. So I would have it already dehydrated. That's right, and then mix it. So measuring yeah. it by quarter of a cup or half a cup. Yeah, right, right. That's pretty much what I do, too. I, I don't, you know, do like one quart in the thing there. I, I, I Although I did in the beginning to just get an idea of the... The proportions, but um, mm-hmm. I'll uh, I'll get that recipe and um, sh- and share it next week. Oh, great! Yeah, I look forward to that. Yeah, okay, Claudia. And Thank how's you. your gra- you have a garden then? Oh yes. How's it it's, been doing? Uh, it struggled through the dry phase yeah. and was saved by my husband's persistency in watering. Oh, there you go. He's and good. we have been having trouble with our broccoli and cauliflower wilting the last couple of years. Mm. But other than that, it's doing pretty good. Yeah. What kind of soil do you have? 
We're on the top of a hill, but yeah. we've been using manure and compost, and I have raised beds. Oh, great, yeah. So in the dry years, it suffers. But well, uh, you know what you might do, and, and I do recommend this a lot, is uh, adding some vermiculite to the soil, because the vermiculite does help hold the moisture in the drier times. I did that when I set the beds up. Oh, good, okay. We added, we added the Peter Raymond mixture. Mm-hmm. And with the peat moss and vermiculite mm -hmm. and topsoil. Oh, good, good. All right. Well, this year has been a year to keep up on the watering, that's for sure. Really, really. Well, we're going to be putting up some beans shortly, so my Great. husband just came in with another five-gallon pail. Uh, yeah, that's uh, we 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 almost exclusively do our beans and dilly beans just because that's what everybody likes and we can give them away for Christmas presents. So, uh, I do some dilly beans, but we eat out of our freezer uh, year round. So and, uh, that's great. Dry, yeah. Freeze and can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's great. Great. Well, Claudia, well, thanks thank for the call, and I'll I'll make sure I get that recipe for you next week. Thank you. I'll be listening. All right, kiddo. And I'll uh, I'll ask our IT guy if it's something we can put on our website. I think we're doing things like that. Oh yeah, days. yeah, so that's I will, right. I yeah. Will check out as well. Yeah. Okay. Good. Thanks. All right. So um, I guess it's that time, Joel. By golly, it, uh, it has gone fast. Shush. Okay. Well. Um, all right, folks. Next year, next uh, week, we're going to. Uh, uh, let's see, we've done the canning, we've done the freezing, we're going to do drying. Um, have we done f fermenting? Well, you talked about it. Yeah, I did talk about it, but I, I don't think that I actually went through how to actually f make uh, make the... Um, yeah, well, well... The well, actual recipe uh, so, so people can just... Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll bring in some... Uh, well, the, the recipe for the sauerkraut and our kimchi... Yes, yeah. Those are our favorites. And then uh, the two-day pickle, I'll, I've got to bring that one in, too. Wonderful. And uh, because if you've never had the two-day pickle, you're in for a treat. Because they're crispy and cold and delicious. And Well, anyway. I'm a pickle person. They, I, <laughs> pickle, I mean, you cannot have lived in the Bronx, Jerome <laughs> Avenue, with all those Jewish delicatessens without becoming a pickle connoisseur. <laughs> but right. I, I tell you, I have had people's homemade pickles that, uh, I mean, it's, it's almost heresy to say so, but I don't think anybody in the Bronx is listening, uh, <laughs> that they're just about every bit as good, if not better, than the ones on, oh, on, on, on Jerome Avenue. I, yeah. I remember sitting at the picnic table with two of our friends, uh, uh, and I think that we almost ate a whole gallon of pickles. We were just sitting there, and the, the, the beer and the coffee and yeah. all, you know, and the pickles and, and good rye bread and whatever, you know. Well, I'm, I'm to the point here where I'm like chewing on my chair. Here. I'm so hungry. I'm gonna go downstairs and put on, put what I brought in the microwave. I'm so hungry. Well, folks, thanks for listening and thanks for calling in to all of you. And uh, we will see you next week in the garden. Bye.
Someone bless these seeds I sow. Someone warm them from below till the rain comes tumbling down. Our program today in the garden has been brought to you by the Willie Store, your true value hardware store near Caspian Lake in Greensboro by Clausen's Florist Greenhouse and Perennial Farm in Colchester, Vermont. Check out their uh, Monday coupons, always a great deal. Clausen's.com online. Guy's Farm and Yard, your neighborhood community feed grain animal and yard store. Locations in Morrisville, Montpelier, St. Albans, and Williston. That means there's one near you. And our good friends down the road, Grow Compost, compost, soils, mulches, and expert gardening advice. Route 2 in Moortown, growcompost.com. By PNR Lumber, your complete local lumber store on Route 15 in Wolcott. And they've got those uh, pre-cut uh, raised beds for you, so uh, you can get them all ready for uh, next year's garden as well. Menards Agway, your yard garden and pet place, Brooklyn Street in Morrisville. By Blossom Cottage Florist, top quality flower arrangements, and Taste of the North, all kinds of goodies on Route 302 in Barry and online at tasteofthenorth.com. By Linda's Apparel in Virgins, bursting with vibrant colors, stylish accessories, sparkling jewelry, and the most captivating collections of ladies' fashions around. Linda's Apparel, Main Street, Virgins. By Jail Branch Green, Greenhouse, Jail Branch Greenhouse, the place is always hopping. Perennials, annual soils, great selection, expert advice, they're on Route 302 in Barrie. And your locally owned Agway store, they've got it all, seeds and feeds and a whole lot more, on Route 2 in Montpelier.